Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 17th episode of the Trojan Venture Podcast. We're back cranking out another episode with another great guest. I'm actually doing this episode solo today. Vic is out of town, but that's not going to stop us from having a great chat. Because today I'm super excited to welcome Jordan Vanafisha, founder of IcePop. IcePop is a performance marketing agency focused on helping companies grow profitably through major ad platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Google. Jordan started his career at Tinder as a product manager and eventually left Tinder to join the founding team at Verishop, a lifestyle company that offers everyday luxury in fashion, beauty, and home, where he served as principal product manager and head of growth. In 2020, he left Verishop to start IcePop. Outside of leading IcePop, Jordan is an angel investor in several startups like Smarter, Lucky Day, and Junip. Jordan is also a proud Trojan alumni and currently serves as a guest lecturer at USC, where he talks about product management and entrepreneurship. Finally, Jordan also serves as a mentor for Fusion LA, an accelerator for Israeli startups in the US. Could not be more excited to have Jordan on the show today. Really excited to dive into it with him all about kind of product management and growth marketing, a lot of things that I'm definitely interested in and I hope others are. So let's get started. Hey, Jordan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. How is your Labor Day going? It's going well. Nice weather in Los Angeles, getting to see some friends and family. I can't complain. What about you? It's going well and it's, you know, it's going even better that we have such a great guest on today. And so, I have a lot I really want to talk with you about, um, specifically kind of your product management experience and how that kind of led to you becoming a founder. But I wanted to start with, you started your career at Tinder on the growth product management team. So how were you first introduced to Tinder and what were some of the biggest lessons you learned about building products and new features during your time there? Yeah, um, so I actually heard about Tinder, obviously, you know, early college or maybe even late high school uh, years because it was like a cultural phenomenon. Whenever you thought of dating, you would think of Tinder. And I believe my freshman or sophomore year, uh, one of the, actually a few of the founders of Tinder um, came to speak at USC, uh, Sean Rad, Justin Mateen, Jonathan Badin. Um, and so that was a really cool experience being able to like see the founders, meet them, hear their story. And ever since that moment, I kind of kept an eye on them and I thought it was a very cool product. And I think either junior year or early senior year, I heard a couple of my friends had started working there um, as full-time employees and they had an internship available. And so through one of my friends, I got introduced to the hiring manager. Um, I ended up working there my last semester of USC while I was still in school, I was doing part-time work there and just fell in love with the team, fell in love with the product and the vision. And I ended up staying full-time uh, when the semester you know, ended and working there for a couple of years after that. And what would you say were some of the main, I mean, how big was Tinder when you got there for reference? I want to say it was around 150 people to 200 people. So you know, it was already doing really well, um, but I really joined at a very unique time where they were on kind of a roll and there was a lot of opportunity to continue monetizing. And um, I believe like six months or 12 months after I joined, Tinder Gold came out, which was Tinder's like biggest monetization feature, like the home run feature. 
that made Tinder the number one grossing app on the app store. And being there for that experience was just incredible. You know, learning from really great product leaders, learning from a bunch of people at the company. Um, and I think, you know, one piece of advice I give a lot of people is joining a company that's on fire, um, but is, you know, doesn't have enough staff to kind of like handle everything is a great opportunity. I was being pulled into as many projects as I wanted to be a part of. I was finding new projects to work on because again, there was just so much opportunity, but not enough people at the company. Um, and so I was very lucky to join at that time. And obviously Tinder is in the dating space and what you're doing now at Ice Pop is more in the digital marketing space. You're kind of focused on a different industry, but throughout all your experiences, kind of one of the main themes that I found is how do you accelerate growth in, in several ways? And so would you say there are kind of any effective strategies for growth that are ubiquitous, no matter kind of what industry or field they're, you're building in? Yeah, definitely. I think I was on the Tinder growth team. Um, and when I went to the company after that Vera shop, I was also working on growth initiatives. And now with my digital marketing, working on a lot of growth. And there's definitely some fundamentals that you need to do regardless of what kind of business you are to set yourself up for success. Um, a lot of it comes down to content. So what I mean by that is if you can produce good content, you can rank organically on Google. If you make good content for your app, you can improve your app store rankings on the Apple and Google Play stores. Uh, if you make a content, you can show up higher on YouTube when people are looking for certain things. So content is a very big piece of the puzzle, regardless of what kind of business you are, right? We work with really cool tech companies. We work with e-commerce companies. We work with law firms, right? The, the content piece is kind of, regardless of the type of business, very important. Um, and that also kind of plays into the next piece, which is whether you're doing Instagram ads or TikTok ads or social media, you can repurpose a lot of that content to make short form videos that, you know, fit the format. So, you know, the videos on Instagram reels might be different than TikTok and TikTok might be different than YouTube, but at the end of the day, you can use that kind of content hub that you've come up with and make different versions of that content for each of these placements. And that's really what makes ads effective. That's really what makes people kind of trust you or look into your business as opposed to another business. Everything else are just kind of minor details of, you know, where to spend money, how much money to spend. But if you have good content, you will find a way to be successful on all the different channels you're trying to, to succeed on. And after Tinder, you went and joined Vershop. Um, so if you could tell the audience kind of what Vershop was and what was your kind of decision to kind of make that leap? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll tell you how I got there and then what it morphed into. But uh, Imran Khan, who was the chief strategy officer at Snapchat, decided to leave and start his own business with his wife, um, who also was very successful from working at Amazon and a few other e-commerce companies. And uh, he actually tweeted something to the effect of, I'm looking to hire a product manager for a new business I'm starting. And I happened to be following him and I just liked his tweet kind of just to show support and like, you know, see if anyone in my network might be a good fit. And he ended up DMing me after looking at my Twitter profile and seeing I was working on product. And uh, he asked me to go to coffee and to hear about his company. And we met up a few times and he sold me on this vision of the idea that, you know, e-commerce was only growing 
there was a lot of legacy players out there like Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom um, in the retail world, but there wasn't really any like a new retailer that was kind of doing the same thing Amazon was doing for basics, but for high-end products. Uh, you know, the convenience, the one-day shipping, the free returns, the great customer service, the selection, the, the technology. So I joined as one of the first few employees on a mission to build the next generation of retail online. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to work on building up the website from scratch, the app, the internal tools. Um, and then I transitioned into leading the growth team. So working on SEO, Google ads, Facebook ads, affiliate marketing, email, um, everything to kind of grow the business as efficiently as we could. And the timing was very lucky in that, you know, with the pandemic happening, e-commerce just took off because everyone had to shop online as opposed to going into retail stores. So that was a really big kind of push to help the business grow even faster than it would have maybe organically. And you mentioned the pandemic and that's, I think, one of the stories of kind of how also Ice Pop kind of came to be and that kind of the need that was created in the market. So has Ice Pop's business model changed at all since those early days? Because now there isn't such an emphasis on, you know what I mean, still selling everything online. So, you know, has it morphed? Has it stayed the same? Can you tell me about that? So I did leave Aeroshop during the pandemic because I saw this big wave of brands basically needing to go all in on digital if they weren't already. Um, and we were very fortunate to work with a lot of great businesses, help them pivot into, you know, digitally native brands as opposed to like relying on wholesale and, and basically like helping them save their businesses during the pandemic. Um, you know, I don't think that we're moving towards a world where, you know, digital is not going to be the main part of, of any or every business. So I think that it was a catalyst to kind of move people there faster. Um, but although people are going into malls and stores and physical retail, digital is still a major piece and, you know, it's only growing. So we haven't really seen a pullback, you know, since the lockdowns have ended or anything of that, of that nature. If anything, I think all businesses realized if they weren't doing some digital form of advertising or marketing, they needed to. Um, and so, you know, through word of mouth, our business has only grown since then. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to see. We've started off with e-commerce again because I saw this push of e-commerce during the pandemic. Then we started working with tech companies because of kind of my background at Tinder and working on a bunch of tech companies, advising tech companies. And more recently, we've started working with a lot of local service businesses, so law firms, doctors, dentists, things of that nature. Um, and yeah, we've only seen growth. So I don't think the pandemic has, uh, now that it's kind of like, you know, less of a less of a big thing, I don't think it's actually pulled back anything for us. And you mentioned such a wide variety of the type of use cases that you have. Are there any kind of particular use cases that it might be seem like really unusual, but exciting that you guys have worked on? Um, that's a good question. I mean, you know, we did e-commerce for the past two years and I feel like we've become really good at it. There's always changes and things to learn, but we've recently started working with these local businesses and that's a completely different mindset because instead of trying to sell a product throughout the United States, you're trying to get a customer uh, in a specific city to walk through the door of a business or to call a business and, and take their service. And so that's been an interesting new mindset. Um, 
So I, that's been something very exciting for me to kind of transition and learn about, you know, how to get law firms, local business, or how to get a doctor, a, a patient through the door and things of that nature. Um, other than that, we also launched email marketing earlier this year. And that's, you know, one of our, uh, I guess that's our second non-paid channel, right? We have SEO, which is a non-paid channel and email marketing, that's a non-paid channel. And what's been nice about that is that we can control a little bit more of our destiny in terms of how we work with our clients. So the way that I think about it is when you do advertising, maybe one to 3% of people come to a website and convert in some form, whether it's buying something or becoming a lead or something of that nature. When you start working on the email marketing side, you see that, you know, there's maybe another five to 10% of people that just put their email on the website and are not ready to make a purchase today, but you can convert those people over email, you know, over the next couple of months with really good email marketing. So being able to kind of take a more full funnel approach has been really awesome. And uh, that's been a new, exciting challenge for us and new, exciting learning for us. And you mentioned that you left Veroshop to start Ice Pop because you saw this gap in the market. And I would like you to go a little bit more into that because obviously you guys aren't the only performance marketing agency. Mm -hmm. So what would you guys say kind of differentiates, differentiates you guys? I think there are three types of digital marketing services out there. There are the really big players without naming names that are just trying to get as many customers as possible and are hiring really young kind of people out of college that don't have a lot of experience. And it's just a little bit of a numbers game. They're not really giving their clients a very detailed experience, a very thoughtful experience. And those customers tend to churn out whenever the contract runs out that they've stuck to clients. On the other spectrum, you have freelancers who are very focused and you know giving an amazing customer experience to their clients, but they're only focused on one or two parts of the digital marketing landscape. Maybe it's just Instagram ads, or maybe it's just Google ads. Um, and they can only work with so many clients because it's one individual. And then there's this kind of middle bucket, which are the boutique firms. And I consider IcePop one of these boutique firms that's working you know, maybe boutique firms work with anywhere between 20 to 40 or 50 businesses, depending on, you know, how many employees they have. And they're spending a lot more time with their clients. They're, you know, in a Slack with their clients, talking to them on a daily basis. They have, you know, a creative team that's building very tailored creative for their clients, as opposed to just using Canva or something, you know, a little bit more generic, um, weekly calls. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to offer this very kind of boutique tailored custom experience for each of our clients. Um, and I think there are other agencies out there, but again, boutiques can only also handle so many clients. So there's a lot of opportunity for boutiques to, you know, deliver good experiences with their customers and clients and work with them for a very long time. And we've been very, you know, happy that our clients have stuck with us for a long time so far. Um, and I think what makes us a little bit unique is I come from, the product and data experience from working at big tech companies and the rest of my team are all creative people, whether it's, you know, graphic designers, video editors, copywriters, um, you know, anything on the creative side. And so I really do think that we have like a very good mix of data and creative that a lot of other agencies don't necessarily have. 
So that's really what makes us special and why customers come to us as opposed to another agency. And you mentioned, obviously, your wealth of product experience at Tinder. How would you, what would you say are some of the main traits that great product leaders or great product managers have? Um, that could be, you know, product managers at a five person growing startup. It could be one at a huge tech company. What do you think are some of those common features and are there any kind of people you look up, look up to? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. I think there's a lot of ways to take it. So the first thing I'll say is that every company has a different product philosophy or mindset. Um, and you need to be aware of that. So what I mean by that is, you know, the, tin, the team at Tinder, I was maybe one of two or three people on the product team that was a technical hire that we had computer science backgrounds. A lot of the other product people were business folks or, you know, studied other things that had nothing to do necessarily with understanding the technology behind the product. Whereas if you go to somewhere like Google, you almost need to be able to code just as good as a, you know, computer, a software developer, if you want to be a product manager there. So from one angle, you need to know what kind of business you're going into, what the kind of standards are and what they're looking for to be successful there. Um, the second kind of way to look at it is there are different businesses with different needs. So when you work at a company like Tinder, the product itself is the business. So in a sense, the product team is the one that's kind of leading the roadmap, leading the business, you know, making a lot of the major decisions. Whereas if you work at, for example, you know, something like Uber, or if you work at something like an e-commerce company, the product is not the business. The product, the website or the app is just a means of having two people transact. And so at the end of the day, the product obviously is extremely important and makes you know, a huge difference in conversion rates and all these things. But at the end of the day, it's about the transaction. It's about the customers more than it is about the product itself. And so I think to be successful in a product job, you need to understand what kind of organization are you at and what is the actual, you know, piece of the business that's leading the business and how can you kind of do your part in, in moving the business forward, even if you're at a business, again, that's not like Tinder where the product is the central thing. Um, and then I guess the last kind of piece is different businesses have different styles. And so what I mean by that is, you know, somewhere like Airbnb, they're a little bit more of a design led company. Product design kind of is like leading kind of the way that they move forward with their products. Somewhere like Tinder, I would say it was a little bit more product driven. And again, somewhere like Google is a little bit more engineering driven. And so you need to understand, are you in a product design or engineering driven organization and be okay with where you're at and understand again how your role shifts based off that. Um, so those are kind of the ways I think about the company and the role. In terms of being a good product leader, no matter where which company you're at, I think you have to take a step back and understand that your goal is to make the customers of the product successful and to also make the business money. And when you kind of have both those mindsets, it's kind of usually helps you take away the ego behind building a, a product that you're excited about and building something that's good for the customer. And that's also good for the business. So, you know, a lot of times that can mean working on a product that's simple, but effective, or it can mean working on something that maybe customers don't even know about, but 
behind the scenes is having a really big impact, like the economy of a game or the algorithm behind recommendations or something that's not even consumer facing. Um, so I think as long as you kind of have that mindset, you generally can do pretty well. And then I think the last thing that I add is a lot of times I hear product managers talking about just looking at the data to make decisions. And I don't always think that's right, especially when you're at a early tech company that doesn't have a lot of data, you need to have some form of like product intuition and you need to be able to go talk to people and you need to be able to, you know, look at the real world and take things that work in the real world and bring them to a digital experience. And so, you know, there's this kind of saying where you want to be data informed, but not necessarily data driven. And I think that that's really a reality when you're at an early stage company that doesn't have all the data in the world um, and where you need some other form of instinct, you know, talking to customers, whatever it is to kind of make decisions, because you're not going to have that data black and white in front of you to make decisions and to drive the product forward. And I think a lot of what you said there kind of perfectly transitions into why a lot of people that work in product become entrepreneurs, because you've got to really understand your customer. And so what was your, I mean, you saw that, you know, brands need to get more digital during the pandemic. How did you go about actually finding out that was a problem other than just your work experience? Did you go talk to different customers? What were those kind of experiences like? I think I saw two things. I mean, one internally at Verishop, we saw a big boom in terms of our numbers when, you know, people were locked down, especially in the, the major states like California and New York. It was just very obvious. We saw it with our numbers. Um, but the second thing was, you know, I'm very lucky in that I live in a community where, you know, people try to help each other and word kind of spreads around when, you know, someone is doing something interesting. And so, when the pandemic was happening, a lot of people would share my phone numbers with small businesses or businesses that needed help and said, hey, this guy, Jordan, works in tech. He's worked in, you know, advertising and marketing and e-commerce. Maybe he can help you with your business. And, you know, ever since I remember, you know, for the past decade, I've taken anybody's phone call and I've always tried to give some form of advice or try to help or try to make an introduction and so during the pandemic, the same thing was happening. People needed advice. People needed help. What do I do? How do I transform my business? And I took those phone calls and I was just getting so many during the pandemic that I'm like, I think there's a need here. I think that I can service something here. And so when I decided to leave Aeroshop, I took a month off. I'd interviewed at a couple other places. I was trying to decide, do I go work at another tech company um, or do I start my own thing? And when I was getting all these calls, I was just convinced that I could convert enough of them to start a business. And so I just took a little bit of a leap of faith. I said no to the job offers I had. Um, I took a couple of those calls again. And I said, Hey, I'm actually helping small brands now. Do you need help? And a bunch of them said yes. And um, that's really the genesis of where Ice Pop came from. And I would say a final question, because you give really such insightful answers was how, I mean, would there be something that you would say to yourself if you had to go back to your 21, 22-year-old self being a senior in college and thinking about what they want to do in the early stages of their career, knowing what you know now and how your career has kind of progressed, would there be some advice you would give to yourself? You know, USC specifically has so many resources 
and so many amazing people involved there. And I think what I would go back and tell myself is take advantage even more. So, you know, what I mean by that is no matter what major you are, no matter what you're trying to do with, you know, your career, go experience as much of what USC has to offer as possible. And so, you know, I would have gone back and, you know, taken a real estate class because USC has a great real estate class and I didn't do that. I would have gone back and taken, you know, maybe a class on typography or graphic design or something else. And so I think USC is very unique. They have a school for every major thing that affects your life, whether it's if you're starting a business, there's accounting, there's business, there's negotiations, there's real estate, there's, you know, technology, there's the ITP program and the Turby. Go experience all of it because all of it can help you in the later stages of your life. And you can be, a you know, a leg up in front of, you know, some of your competitors or other people that are trying to do what you're doing. And also, again, just experience as many things as you can as USC because each of those experiences have amazing people behind them. So, you know, I was lucky enough to become close with some of the professors in the Greif School of Entrepreneurship. Um, again, I would have loved to become close with a bunch of other professors, adjunct professors in, in other parts of the school, because all of them have led to amazing things in my career, whether it's been clients, whether it's been working with some of my professors after I graduated, uh, introductions, you know, there's so much that could be done. And so that's my my number one piece of experience. The second thing I would say is it's obviously very important to do well in school and get good grades and all that. But I would also push you to go and get internships and job experiences, whether it's during the semester, during the summer, that you just learn things. And, you know, one of the things I did at USC my freshman year was I had an internship my freshman year, my first semester. I applied to some internship to learn about SEO. And now, you know, looking back, whatever it is, nine, eight years later, SEO is what I do for a lot of my clients. And I learned that literally my fall semester freshman year. So, you know, go experience things, go try things, meet people, take new courses, um, you know, try to work with some name brand companies if you can through USC's network that will really put, give you a leg up too. Um, and after you do all that, there's really nothing you can't tackle. And I, I lied that I had, had one final question because I actually have one more now. Yeah, of course. Would you say there is a a right time to start your own business? I know there's a lot of people I know, including myself, that eventually want to start something of their own. And there's always this conception of, well, not right now, right? I don't know enough or I don't have experience in that enough. And so... How would you go about evaluating once, when's the right time to really start your own thing? I really think it's a unique experience for every founder, for every person. Um, you know, I personally started businesses in college. Um, some of them successful, some of them not successful. I was learning. I personally decided that I wanted to go learn from some pros before I, you know, started the business that you know, hopefully would be the business I, I really grow for the rest of my life, which hopefully is Ice Pop. Um, and so I decided I personally wanted to go to somewhere like a Tinder or a, an equivalent tech company that was growing really rapidly that I can learn how does a company scale from, you know, tens of millions of dollars of revenue to hundreds of millions of dollars? How do you scale a team? What do all these different job functions look like? You know, what does it look like to do proper A-B testing? You know, like I wanted to see the inside 
And then after that, I said, okay, I've kind of learned some amazing things here. The next step was, can I learn from starting a business from the ground up? And that's another reason I went to Verishop as opposed to another company. I was very lucky. I could see literally from day one of setting up the desks in the office to getting to tens of millions of dollars in revenue. And I wanted to learn that experience. And then I said, okay, I've learned a lot of things. I have the tools I need to start my own business. But, you know, some people start their business in college. And again, at USC, you have free legal service. You have entrepreneurs, adjunct professors that can help you. There are so many great resources. So I don't think there's a specific right time, but I think you'll kind of know when you've had the experiences you want to go do it. At the end of the day, you always feel scared when you're starting. Even with my experience, I had to take a leap of faith. I had to take that jump knowing, hey, I might fail. I might not make it. But I, once you believe in yourself and you kind of, are, again, put in the hard work early on, I feel like you can always kind of make something happen. So um, if you if you put the foundation in early, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to, you know, take that leap of faith whenever, whenever you feel like you can afford to. Well, Jordan, really just want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me, but also I know this will be a great outlet for all the all other USC students that are looking to kind of get into tech product or entrepreneurship roles. So really want to thank you again. It was great to speak with you. Thanks for having me, Eric. All right. Awesome. Well, guys. I thought that was an amazing episode. Jordan really had so much insightful things to say, not only about kind of how to be a good product manager, how to think through, you know, growth strategies, but also his personal journey was just really interesting. Um, I thought, I thought that, you know, he really got the experience of, of going to a big temp te big tech company at, a, at a, still a pretty early stage. And so to be able to be a part of that, those rapid stages of growth is such a, an amazing learning opportunity that he was able to get and obviously given him great insight as he goes forward. And so we'll love to kind of continuing to follow Ice Pop's success, um, especially in a world that's continuing to be even more demanded for e-commerce brands and everybody has to have an e-commerce brand. So Ice Pop looks to kind of really have a great product market fit for the future. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys all really enjoyed this episode. I know I did. And we will see you guys again soon.